Welcome to the Buying Youth Podcast from Long Island Abundant Life Church. In this lesson given on April 19, 2013, we talk about homosexuality and how we can love like Jesus loves. Before we start, um, I do want to pray, and before that even though, I do want to say, as we jump into this stuff, we're going to do what we've always been doing in this series. We're going to examine what the Bible says about this, and then we're going to talk about how we behave in this issue, like what we think about it, how we act. And um, for this one in particular, it's really, I think, going to push against some of you one way and some of you another way. And um, you'll see what I mean. But before I say anything, I just want to say, I don't know if any of you here are struggling with this, dealing with this issue, and you know someone who is, um, but for anyone who's here or not here, or maybe will listen to the podcast later... Um, I just want to say um, that I'm sorry. I'm sorry for any time that you have ever felt hated for who you are and and for that reason. Um, I'm sorry for any of you whose parents have said, I'm disowning you in essence because of this. I'm sorry if you've ever felt unwelcome or hated in church or felt like Jesus hated you. And, um, you know, this applies to a wide variety of people, but especially in this issue. I just want to stop and say that because I think that there is a lot of hate that goes around in this this issue. And um, my goal is never, ever, and I don't want you to get from this, and I I know you probably have gotten from this, but I don't want you to feel like Jesus hates you because he doesn't. Um, And as we talk about this issue, I hope you'll see that, but I hope that we'll also be able to deal with this issue at the same time. So I want to start us in prayer really quick, and, and then we'll get started in on the issue. God, we approach you tonight, and I ask that as we talk about this subject, that um, that we would have understanding, that we would have understanding from your word, that we'd have understanding in our hearts, and that we would be able to think and act rightly about this issue, and it's so important and so close to many of us. And we ask that you would change our hearts, that you would work in us, that we would be able to see Um, what it is that you have to teach us and say to us. And we pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, uh, so just uh, jumping back into this series again. The reason that we're doing this series is a lot of the the issues that we're covering are issues we don't really know what we think about, or maybe we do know what we think about, but we have no idea what the Bible says about them. We've covered a couple issues so far, um, like eating disorders and and other identities disorders. We've talked about really briefly. We talked about um, last week about depression and suicide. We're going to approach this issue. We're going to talk about some more serious ones in the week to come. But um, I actually saw a really great quote this week from a guy named Augustine, and if you guys have had me as a teacher for a while, you know I love church history, and this is definitely church history. He's a guy who um, said this over 1,500 years ago, but he, I think, really encapsulated what I'm trying to say and what we're trying to do with this series, and he said that if you, I'm paraphrasing slightly, but he says, if you read the Bible and you decide what you like and what you don't like in it, you don't believe the Bible, you believe yourself. Um, and so that's really what we're trying to get to the bottom. One of the things we're trying to get to the bottom of in this issue is working out, are we, if we call ourselves Christians here, are we thinking like Christians? Are we, we formulating our worldview through what the Bible says about things, or are we not? And on this issue, I think it is, it is very important. And 
You know, in some ways, I was going to do this issue anyway, but it's a very timely issue. Like you said, you had that thing today at school going on, and there's been all this stuff with with uh, gay marriage and the courts and, and all kinds of things. But I was actually planning on doing it before any of this happened. But um, I have a short quiz, true and false, at the beginning, and. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to like make you raise your hand. So, yes, you're being graded. And if you fail, um, so maybe in your in your mind, raise your hand because I don't know if you actually want to declare this stuff. But true or false? Um, true or false? It has been born. It has been proven that people can be born homosexual. True. Or you can just shout it out and raise your hand. <laughs> I did not ask. I did not ask for a discussion. Here's what we're going to do. Shh. We're going to talk about some things, and I'm going to open it up for questions at the end. I'm not in any way saying I'm going to have the answer to every question, but in your mind, in your mind, not yelling and shouting your opinion. Uh, just think true or false, and I'm not even going to give you the answers to this necessarily to all of these questions, okay? Or, or even what I think is the answer. Yes, Chris. In, in general, has that actually been like proven? We'll talk about that one in just a second. Okay. Um, True or false, it's been proven that people can and are born homosexual. Just think of your answer. Yes, Edward, what? No, be quiet. <laughs> no, never mind, I'm not calling on you again. Uh, true or false, temptation to perform homosexual acts is a sin. Wait, just temptation? Temptation to perform homosexual acts is a sin. True or false, homosexuals cannot change. True or false, Homosexuals should not change. Isn't that like an Cannot versus should not. Right? True or false? Jesus talked about homosexuality. I'm just curious about that one. Who thinks that's true versus false? Who thinks that's true? Jesus talked about homosexuality. Who thinks who thinks false? I remember you talking about it. I was just curious. True or false? This one's an important one. True or false? Your personal views about homosexuality cannot be changed. Of course, that's false. Okay, I'm giving you the answer. That's false. In fact, I hope that in some way it is changed tonight. So as we as we look at this, um, we're going to be, uh, like I said, addressing a lot of issues. And this is a really difficult. This is a really hard issue, and it's a very explosive issue. And as I said, I in the beginning, I do not want you to feel like, especially as we're going through this section, that what you're hearing from my mouth is hate, because that's not what you're going to hear. I just want you to hear what I have to say from the Bible first, and we'll talk about what it means, okay? What does the Bible say? It, like, if someone asks you and you're like, oh, it's, it's just wrong, or it's okay, like, where are you getting that from? And I, I'm actually just summarizing here. Some of these uh, passages have multiple things that are kind of similar, but I'm just boiling it down to ones that are almost exactly alike. So um, we have Leviticus 18.22. It says, Do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman. You have done something God cannot stand. Uh, so that's Leviticus 18.22. Leviticus 20.13, If a man lies with a man as, uh, as one lies with a woman, both of them have done what God cannot stand. They must be put to death. The blood, blood will be on their own heads. Okay, so that's pretty serious, right? Um, Sodom and Gomorrah, this is like the big thing that people remember. And I want to, this is in Genesis 19, and I want to encourage you to understand that although there were, were things going on there in the realm of homosexuality, and that was a big thing, we tend to think about that, that was the only problem that was going on there. And that is not the case. And I want to encourage you to, if you think that, to go back and read 
and see um, all the different things that God mentions and, and the reason that those cities are judged. But that is one thing that people often refer to. So maybe you're saying, and I think maybe, rightfully so, that's the Old Testament, we're in the New Testament now. So what does the New Testament have to say to us? And as First uh, Corinthians 6, 9-10, through 10, it says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, and you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And then in Romans 1.26, another really important passage when we look at this, it says, Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty. Okay, so that's right there. That's what the Bible has to say about it. Jesus did not, in fact, specifically say anything on this issue. And there is a lot of thorny issues to work out with this. Okay, so I would say that when we look in Leviticus, that um, we talk sometimes about, um, I, I actually have, and I haven't sent this out to you guys yet, but I'm going to send out an email next week with this in. I have a whole collection of different articles on a lot of different things that we've talked about, like just things uh, from books and, and blogs and, and things talking about depression and suicide and eating disorders and cutting and homosexuality. Some of the other things we're going to cover, it's in an Evernote notebook, and you can just browse through that. And I'll explain to you how that works in the email. But it's it really, if you want to look into some of these things, you want to read more about it, I'm making that available to you so you can have kind of the fruits of the things that I've been reading and trying to understand this. But one of the things that um, I came across was uh, this article by Tim Keller. uh, And he's a pastor in the city at Redeemer Presbyterian Church. And he was talking about this whole thing that happened like two summers ago with Chick-fil-A and and uh, a lot of homosexuals were picketing it and all this stuff. But the big thing is that there was a lot of accusations floating around at that time in, in news articles that Christians were really... Um, inconsistent that we say from the Old Testament that this is something that, that people shouldn't do Homosexual, homosexuality is forbidden but then there's all this other stuff in Leviticus that we, we allow like women wearing pants so sorry all you girls that are wearing pants tonight you're not supposed to according to Leviticus right and we eat shrimp and we do all this stuff that Leviticus says that we're not supposed to do and so Christians are so inconsistent well I will say that, and we've talked about this a little bit before, there are different kinds of commands in Leviticus. And there's some that are what we call ceremonial. They're for Israel at a certain time. And there's some that we consider universal. This is phrased, what some people would call universally. It's, it's phrased in a different way, okay? But even if, if you're just going to say, let's just throw out the whole Old Testament, which I don't think you should. Uh, but even if you say that, we still have to deal with um, the First Corinthians passage in particular and the Romans passage. Um, and, and I want, we're going to talk about this, and we're going to go back and forth between a lot of different things. But I, I just want you to understand some things. When we, when we look at this, um, I am curious what you think um, about how many homosexual, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender people there are in this country today. If you're going to give a percentage, what do you think? 64. What? 64? That's a little high, Grace. <laughs> Uh, 10, 40%. 10 is a pretty good guess. 27. What? 20, 20%. Average. <laughs> average. 
you have come up with the common, the common answer. A lot of times when you hear this, um, people say like 15 to 20%. To 20%. And now that number is really interesting. And if you go in the Evernote notebook that I'll send you, you'll be able to see um, there's, there's actually a lot of, uh, of work on this because this number came from, uh, there's this really famous, man, I hope, <laughs> don't tell your parents everything we talked about today. Uh, there's this really kind of famous, like groundbreaking um, report that came out in the 50s. It was called the Kinsey Report on Sexuality. And there was this guy named, named Kinsey, Dr. Kinsey, and he did a lot of studies on all kinds of things like homosexuality, other sexual practices, masturbation, all the great things that you love hearing about, basically. And, and that's where the 20% number comes from. He said 15 to 20% of men, he studied men, um, uh, have homosexual feelings. And the, the thing that, he, yeah, what? Oh, I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> I'm not talking to you. That's for that's for a guys only and a girls only night. Okay. Um, thank you for that really awkward question. <laughs> so um, the thing, the problem that people have brought up is that he, the the group of people he studied, a lot of his results were really messed up because he studied um, men who were in jail for sexual offenses. So it kind of kind of skewed the numbers a little bit. Um, but the estimate now of people who are openly homosexual, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender in America is somewhere between 2 to 5%, which is probably a lot less than you were thinking, um, especially great, <laughs> 64%. But, um, but some, people, some people you'll hear also maybe you could say like, like 1, in 20, 1 in 20 people. Um, now this does not include people who maybe are not open about it, um, I'm just going to throw a lot of thoughts at you, and then we're going we're gonna to rein it back in. But something else that's been suggested in counseling books is that we should not just necessarily think of people as homosexual or not homosexual, but there should be a sliding scale of people who are extremely homosexual, who feel that they were born that way, they cannot do anything else, versus like, you know, you consider yourself to be heterosexual, but you have feelings like that sometimes. And usually the scale has six positions on it, in case you're wondering. But there's actually a scale of this, and there's kind of six points on it. So I just want to introduce that idea to you, because I think it's not as simple as, are you homosexual or are you not? Uh, and, and that enters into it here, too. Um, the interesting thing, this goes back to Chris's question about the first question on the true-false quiz. Um, there is a, uh, a, an association um, that's not, it's not super popular, but it's the National Association of Research and Therapy for Homosexuality. It's called NARTH. And a lot of people don't like it because it says things that um, people don't want to agree with, really. But they, they're a secular organization. It's not Christian in any way. But they are an organization that, as a whole, um, believes that people are not born homosexual. And they have gone back through 125 years of research, and this is what they have to say. So if you believe them, great. If you don't, you don't. But um, I'll leave that up to you, because it says, um, number one, <laughs> I, I phrase this differently, but this is, uh, I want you to think about it this way. Uh, there's no conclusive or convincing evidence that alcoholism may be changed through any kind of therapy. Uh, efforts to change alcoholism are shown to be harmful and lead to greater self-hatred, depression, and other destructive behaviors. And there's no greater pathology in the alcoholic population than in the general population. Well, obviously, we're not talking about alcoholism tonight. We're talking about homosexuality, and that's what they have to say these things about. But this is sometimes people will draw this um, 
this kind of uh, a parallel that it, is, it has been proven that people can be born with a predisposition toward alcoholism. In fact, I believe, and she won't mind me saying this, I believe that my wife is born that way. Um, that alcoholism runs in her family, and we've seen it through several generations. Now, in case you're wondering, Rachel is not an alcoholic. <laughs> okay? Rachel is not an alcoholic. So, you know, she could be very good at hiding. That's true. Um, but here's the thing that I want to challenge you with as we're getting in, into this a little farther is that um, I have a question that was supposed to come later, but I'm asking it to you now. Let's, let's assume, because this is what NARTH says, this organization, they say that change is possible. Efforts to change or your, your sexual orientation through therapy have not been proven to be consistently harmful in any way, um, psychologically. And that actually, when you look at the studies, and there have been other studies that, prove, that have showed this too, that there's a, a, a greater um, percentage of what we call psychological pathology problems, depression and other mental problems and illnesses in the homosexual population than the general population. Now, that could be due to mistreatment, but you know, we don't really know. But um, I'm going to say that I don't know. I don't know if people can be born gay or not. There's not been anything that, that has proved that positively or negatively yet. I tend to think that it is not the case, but let me ask you this. Let us say, in like two years, beyond a shadow of a doubt, absolute and total proof that scientifically that people can be born homosexuality, uh, born homosexual, does that change what that means for the Christian who has those feelings? And I'm going to say to you, no, it does not. Okay? It does not change anything. Okay, so when we, when we think about this issue, there's a, there's a lot of things that I want to talk to you about, but um, I want to, first of all, give you a quote from a guy. I'm going to throw a couple books at you later. Not actually throw them, but mention them to you. The one that I think would be of, of most interest to some of you, and probably some of you have heard about it before, there's a country, uh, there's a, I, I cannot talk tonight, there's a book that came out a couple years ago by a guy named Christopher Yuan, he's Chinese, and... Isn't that, the, isn't that Glenn from Walking Dead? No. no. He is, he's a professor at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, um, and... And he's Chinese, and it tells his story about how um, he grew up in a Christian family, Chinese Christian family, you know, very strict, and that he um, turned to a life of homosexuality and drugs and all kinds of other things. Ended up going to jail. And tells the story of his family and himself and how he dealt with that. But here's the thing, is that he, he deals with it very frankly. But what he says is basically what I just said. He says, I don't know if people are born this way or not. I don't know if I was born this way or not. But I know that my feelings have not changed. I still feel this way. I still feel homosexual feelings. But then he says something that I think is very, very important for us to realize in this. He says, the opposite of homosexuality is not heterosexuality. It is holiness. Okay? The opposite of homosexuality is not heterosexuality. The solution is to be, not to be not gay, not to not have those feelings anymore, but to realize what the Bible says about it, that it is something that God has not approved of. Okay? It's not something God says, yeah, go, go ahead, go for it. He says, this is something you should not be doing. And I want to go back to the alcoholism thing for a second. Um, because I think that 
And you know, some people wouldn't maybe approve of this parallel, but I think that my wife is a good example of this. That she comes from a family that I think you could pretty easily show has alcoholism run in the family. She is not an alcoholic that I know of. <laughs> that I know. Uh, she's not an alcoholic. Why? Because she does not go and drink alcohol. In fact, that's, we don't ever have alcohol in our house. It's not because I think that you drink one drop and you're, you're going to hell or anything. But it's just dumb in our house, okay? If we know that this is something that, that her family really has a problem with, it would be insanely stupid to do that, okay? And so this is something we don't put ourselves in that temptation. Uh, and our family's a little different in that way, and I re- realize that, especially in a Chinese church. But... Um, I would say this is this is the same idea. Just like Rachel's never going to be like, let's see if I'm an alcoholic. You know, like, you know, this is saying, okay, let's say you don't know. Maybe you have these feelings. The Bible says, you know what, you 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 don't do this. And, and that's what it says in this passage in First Corinthians. I love this passage because this leads into the next thing I want to talk about. Um, it says, sexually immoral are idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, sexual offenders, nor thieves, greedy, drunkards, slanderers, swindlers will enter the kingdom of God. None of those people. In fact, later on, there's another list like this, and it says, and it mentions alongside some of these things, also, people who disobey their parents. So, ooh, ouch, right? Yeah? It's listed in one of these lists. I love that list because I'm like, yeah. Because everyone's like, yeah, those people are evil. Oh, crap. Um, but then there's this great verse at the end, in verse 10 it says, And that is what some of you were. That's what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So my next question leading into this is, Are some sins worse than other sins? No. Yeah. Yes. God views them all the same. Thank you, Grace, because I'm actually going to disagree with you on this point. Oh! I'm sorry. Are are all sins equal? Or are some sins worse than other sins? Then it wouldn't be just that he's not a just God. No, that's not true. He still punishes each sin. Um, But I'm going to suggest to you that it is very popular to say that. That if you just even lie, one little lie will earn you hell. Okay? Because you're not perfect. And I want to say that that's probably not true, that the biggest problem with hell and, and stuff is that our greatest sin is of rebellion and unbelief. And that is the sin that earns us hell. But in particular, um, I want to prove to you from the Bible, Grace. Oh, um, that there's, some, there's some passages that say that some are worse than others, okay? And I'm not going where you think I'm going with this, so just... Hold tight, sit tight. Uh, Jesus tells Pilate and the Jewish leaders when he's about to be crucified that they have committed a worse sin in saying, he who has handed me over to you has committed the greater sin. Jesus himself says that the people who handed him over to Pilate and, and those people have committed greater sin. So Jesus says that there are some sins. Certain sins in the law are distinguished in a particular context as an abomination, abomination to God, implying that others are not as severe. That's maybe not as the same thing. Um, Matthew 12.31, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is set apart as the unforgivable sin, as a sin that's worse than other ones. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 lists a whole list of particular sins, single, singling them out as being worse than others. Um, there, uh, what do we have? 
Christ often evaluates the sin of the Pharisees as greater than the sins of others. He says, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. If all, sin, all, if all sins are equal, what Jesus says there, it doesn't make any sense. Like if he's just saying, you strain out a gnat to swallow a camel, but all sins are equal anyway. Like it doesn't, it's just kind of weird. Unforgiveness, un, uh, related to... Unforgiveness is continually referred to as one of the worst sins that you can partake of. That if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. Um, What else do we have here? We're just going to keep it at that. It is true that all people are sinners, Grace. Romans 3.23. All are sin and fall short of the glory of God. But there are, there are a couple passages, and I'll probably stick in this notebook if you want to read it, uh, an article about this, are some sins greater than other sins thing. But the one that really nails it is, you know, Jesus just says, you can, the people who handed me over have committed greater sin. And in fact, it's referred to again later, I think, in Peter. He says something like that too. People committing greater sin. Well, here's the thing about it. We have a tendency as a culture... And let me tell you, this is uh, in the culture I grew up in. It was like conservative, white, Dutch culture. But also from my experience um, that a lot of you grow up in, older Chinese people, your parents, that homosexuality is viewed as one of the worst things. Like, and I want to encourage you to realize that when Jesus talks about some sins being worse than others, homosexuality is never the one that's singled out. But it's the one we single out because I think some of us find it icky. Yeah? Like, we, we just think about it, or our parents think about it. Maybe we've gotten more used to it, but some people think about it, and they're just like, ugh, that's got to be the worst sin. And the Bible does not say that. Okay? Yeah? Love the sinner, hate the sin? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think that that is true. Um, and it's hard to... I'm going to encourage... We're going to move ahead to that in just a minute. Okay? Because it is a, a difficult issue. Um, because if you, if you are like, I love you, my friend who's homosexual, but then you're going and holding up a sign that hom- says homosexuals were burned in hell. Like, you know, like, you're hating the sin, but, you know, like, it's, it's a hard balance, okay? Um, I want to tell... Yeah. I, we're going to have questions at the end. Okay. Can we go to question five? Let me explain the question five more. Question five. True and false things. Which one was that? The last one. The one with the verse. In it. Which one? Like the lie with the man, woman thing. The Leviticus one. I think so. Leviticus. What about it? Aren't you like going through if they're true or false? No, not exactly. No, no, no. That was verses. That wasn't a question. Like those verses. Those verses are in the Bible. Those verses are all in the Bible. Definitely. The verses are definitely all in the Bible. Okay, so we'll just clear that up here. Um, so I want the thing I want to push against is I know that that probably some of you are like, this is not a big deal. I have friends who are gay, and you should have friends who are gay. I really think that you should. That is important, but it is not. It is not. Well, if they're mean, <laughs> if you have friends that are mean, they shouldn't be your friends. <laughs> but. But I, I want to encourage you to understand that the Bible uses... What, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it, Jesus says. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
And I want to encourage you, we've talked about before, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, and that when we talk about love, it's not just a feeling, but it is something that looks out for the good of other people. So for example, I love my son Christian. So if he says, Dad, I really want to touch the hot stove, it's going to be like, no, don't do that. I love you. <laughs> but I want to. You're so mean. <laughs> like, no. Right? And I think this is, that's how I would say this in, in this case. Like, it, it is not loving to your friends to pretend like this is not a big deal. Okay? But, 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 I do not think that we should ever be like, you cannot come to church until you fix this problem. We have this tendency in youth group and church to be like, fix your problems, then come. And if you have problems, we don't want you here because we don't know how to deal with them. Okay? So this makes this relationship very difficult. And I, I want to read you something. This came out just a couple weeks ago. It's anonymous. and It went around to a couple of Christian blogs and stuff. But it's an open letter to the church from a lesbian. Just an uh, anonymous lesbian in the church. It says, To churches concerning homosexuals and lesbians, Many of you believe that we do not exist within your walls, your schools, and your neighborhoods. You believe that we are few and easily recognized. I tell you, we are many. We are your teachers, doctors, accountants, high school athletes. We are all colors, shapes, and sizes. We are single, married, mothers, fathers. We are your sons, your daughters, your nieces, nephews, your grandchildren. We are in your Sunday school classes, pews, choirs, and pulpits. You choose not to see us out of ignorance or because it might upset your congregation. We are your congregation. We enter your doors weekly seeking guidance and some glimmer of hope that we can change. Like you, we have invited Jesus into our hearts. Like you, we want to be all that Christ wants us to be. Like you, we pray daily for guidance. Like you, we often fail. When the word homosexual is mentioned in the church, we hold our breaths and sit in fear. Most often, this word is followed with condemnation, laughter, hatred, or jokes. Rarely rarely do we hear any words of hope. At least we recognize our sin. Does the church as a whole see theirs? Do you see the sin of pride that you are better than or more acceptable to Jesus than we are? Have you been Christ-like in your relationship with us? Would you meet us at the well or a restaurant or for a cup of water or coffee? Would you touch us even if we showed signs of leprosy or AIDS? Would you call us down from our trees as Jesus did Zacchaeus and invite yourself to be our guest? Would you allow us to sit at your table and break bread? Would, can you love us unconditionally and support us as Christ works in our lives, as he works in yours to help us all to overcome? To those of you who would change the church and accept the gay community and its lifestyle, you give us no hope at all. To those of us who know God's word and will not delude it to fit our desires, we ask you to read John's letter to the church at Pergamum. I have a few things against you. Jesus says. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites into sin by eating food, sacrificed to idols, by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore. You are willing to compromise the word of God to be politically correct. We are not deceived. If we accept your willingness to compromise, then we must also compromise. We must therefore accept your lying, your adultery, your lust, your idolatry, your addictions, your sins. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We do not ask for your acceptance of our sins any more than we accept yours. We simply ask for the same support, love, guidance, and most of all hope that is given to the rest of your congregation. We are your brothers and sisters in Christ. We are not what we shall be, but thank God we are not what we were. Let us work together to see that we all arrive safely home from a sister in Christ. I think this is a really important letter.
because I think it really gets to the root of what I'm trying to say about, about this whole sin thing. That there are some people, and, and I'm going to mention a book that talks about this in just a second, that would say, yeah, it's okay. The Bible says it's okay. Don't worry. Or, you know, it's not clear, and it's just okay, so don't worry about it. And, and what this person, what she's saying here, she's like, I know that it's not okay. But that doesn't change that I struggle with it. And if you tell me my sin's okay, that means that I have to accept all of your sin. And I don't accept that. I don't accept that God wants us to stay the same. I'm saying I don't know what the path is, but I want you to give me hope instead of condemnation and hatred. I want you to give me hope that I can overcome just like you can. I think this is very, very important. Okay? As I said, I want to mention some books to you uh, a second. And uh, if you want to read more on this topic, there's a, there's a book called Washed and Waiting, which refers to this uh, passage in 1 Corinthians. It's uh, Washed, and Waiting's Reflection, Washed and Waiting Reflections on Christian Faithfulness and Homosexuality by Wesley Hill. He is, uh, uses the phrase Christian homosexual, which some people don't agree with. But he is uh, a person who says, I feel like I was born this way, and that I can't change, but I will not as we talked about before, um, the, the true-false question, temptation to perform homosexual acts is not a sin. Temptation is not sin. So he says, I'm tempted to do this, but I will not do it. I will choose holiness. Same thing that I mentioned before, uh, the book Out of a Far Country by Christopher Yuen. He tells his whole story, and he says a very similar thing. Okay, so that's one side of it. And this is such a, such a difficult and complex issue. On the other side, there's a really, really great book, especially in the first part of it. It's uh, got four parts, and the first part is so extremely excellent. It's called Confessions of an Unlikely Convert by Rosaria Champagne Butterfield. And she was a uh, a professor at Syracuse University of Gay and Lesbian Studies. And she is now a pastor's wife. (laughs) So uh, it tells the story of how she came to Jesus. And here's the thing about it. If she puts it, boils it down into one word, it's not the word that you think it is. It's hospitality. She was researching um, some things on the Bible, and she had a pastor just come to her, send her a letter. It was very nice, respectful, just asking her some questions. And then he invited her uh, to him and his wife's house, and they just had her over again and again and again. And these were people that were on so, like, completely ridiculously opposite planes, okay? And um, eventually just, she just kept reading the Bible, and um, she received love and acceptance from them, not to say, like he never would say, he was very forthright, you know, I don't believe that this is something you should be doing, but you know what, we love you because Jesus loves you. Jesus calls sinners. If you didn't struggle with things, um, we'd be worried. And there's a, a pastor as well. He gave a message recently. It went around the internet for a while. But he said this at the, uh, at the beginning of his message. He says, Jesus doesn't hate you. He loves you more than you can ever imagine. I don't know if we'll ever agree on the issue of homosexuality. But what I do know is that Jesus loves you. I know that he loves you. And I also know that I haven't done a good job of showing you that. And for that, I'm sorry. Where do we start? I think we start there. Okay? Like, people are never going to be won over to Christ with hate in politics. Okay? And so often we want to stand up for truth and, and do it with hate. That's not what the Bible calls us to. We have a lot to be sorry for in this area. Okay? But um, I think we have in these books that I mentioned, some people believe that they, they can't change. They're just waiting for God and saying, you know, I'll be holy. I, I'll just, you know, 
I'll be um, celibate for my life because I don't know how else to do this. And we have this woman who did change. She's the pastor's wife now. She's happily married. And then we have another person who is very close to me, and it's my sister. Um, when she, uh, she was going to go off to college, and the day she was supposed to go to college, she said, I don't want to do this. And she, like a week later, moved away from home, and she got a job out here in the east in Pennsylvania. And um, I'll tell you that my parents still don't know this about her. She's too scared to tell them that um, for many years she was a lesbian. And what happened to her is that someone came to her in a bar and shared Jesus with her and loved her, invited her to church, even though they knew what she was, who she was, what she was doing, why she was there. They did it anyway. And she was won over to Jesus. Um, Someone who would not expect to be won over to Jesus. Someone who grew up in a Christian family, totally forsook it, he said, I, you know, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. And she was won over. And you know, she's married now, she has kids. And uh, I want to say that people can change. Maybe some people, I don't know, maybe they can't. But they can be holy. There are people that can change. And I want you to understand that Jesus calls all of us to change. And he calls all of us to love. And we talked about way back in the beginning about two people, about um, Nicodemus and about the woman at the well. Jesus went to that woman at the well who was basically just a prostitute and talked to her when no one else would have talked to her and, and shared with her and loved her. And that is what we are called to do. And love, like I said, I'm going to push against two kinds of people here. Love does not mean just saying, I accept you no matter what. And, and you don't ever have to change. Like, it might mean change. It might mean being celibate or seeking Christ. Because Jesus does change our hearts. Okay? And I believe he can change people. But it also means that we need to stop being jerks to people. We need to stop saying, oh, that's so gay. That's so whatever. Or I don't know if, if you're guilty of this, but we're guilty of so much of seeing someone coming to church that we think doesn't belong here. And let me tell you, if you look at someone and you say, you don't belong here, then what I'm saying to you is that you don't belong here, and they do. Jesus calls sinners. And he changes sinners says, that is what some of you once were, but you have been washed and you're waiting for Jesus' return. And this is some, one of the big ones that I just say, we really have to step up. I don't, I don't know, maybe some of you are struggling with this, but I, I suspect probably most of you are struggling more with being judgmental on this or not really knowing how to accept people like this or know how to treat people like this. Let me tell you, that's your call tonight, if that is you, is to, to get off your high horse, pretend, stop pretending like you do not have sin, and to welcome people. And to say, you are welcome here. And yes, we have to figure some stuff out, probably eventually. But I want you to come and I want you to know Jesus. Please come to church. Because we'll love you here. We won't hate you. We won't judge you. Because Jesus comes and he calls sinners. And that's what all of us are. And we are all working on it. Okay. You know, we're, we're like right at the end here. But I, I do want to take a couple questions. Because I know this is a difficult and important issue. So if you have any pressing questions, uh, now's your chance. <laughs> Yeah, Josiah. That have to do with what we're talking about? Of course. Okay, of course. As long as of course is the answer. Um, A lot of people are getting over the issue of should should gay marriage be legal? I have an opinion about this, but what do you think? (laughs) I knew knew when I approached this, I was like, oh crap, someone's going to ask this question. Um, My answer is complex. Okay? I will tell you my answer. And I probably could get in trouble for this answer, but um, 
I'll tell you what, like I said, I think that, that homosexuals have been extremely mistreated. And that when you look at things that have happened that still happen, it's ridiculous. It really is beyond ridiculous because people just are, are like grossed out by it and there's so, many, so much violence that happens. Okay, I do think that it is not, there's a whole lot of things that go into this, that's why it makes it hard to explain, is that I don't think that uh, we should, in the beginning, have given the government as much control over marriage as we have that what really makes it important and legal is a government certificate. I think that we as a church failed in that regard, A. Um, but B, I think that the, the government, I think once we start redefining marriage, we have some problems, and some people have already suggested, um, in all seriousness, uh, there was a, an article on Slate, I want to say, just last week, about how if we legalize uh, homosexual marriage, then um, polygamy needs to be next. In all seriousness, like if, if we're just changing what marriage means, having multiple wives um, or having like group marriages. And people are truth, truthfully suggesting this because once you start redefining language, it's difficult. Okay, all that being said, I do not think that um, people should be treated as less than human. Okay, I do think that um, people should be protected under the law in the same way, perhaps as married people are, but I would not call it marriage. So that's why I say this is a very nuanced answer. I do think that there's, there's a problem with saying, okay, you're living in a, in a committed relationship when marriages are falling apart all across the country, and we're, we're going to kind of like look down on that and not give you the same rights as others because you just haven't had them historically. But I, don't, I would not call it marriage. I think that that is a, a big problem. So. Hopefully you understand my answer, and you're not going to go home tonight and say, Greg said he believes in gay marriage, because I didn't just say that. Because okay? then your parents will call me and be like, what? Yes, so don't monopolize the question. Yes, what? Can, can I steal that? Can I steal parts of those responses for in case anyone else asks me that? Yes, you can look in the Evernote notebook when I post it next week. <laughs> There's going to be so much in there. There's like articles and articles and articles. Yes, Vincent, did you have a question earlier? Did you forget? Uh, Any other questions? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's really hard to love the sinner, but hate the sin. I don't really like that phrase. Okay, okay, okay. But, <laughs> no, I'm just saying, because it is really, I, th- I think, yeah, it's just, know, it's an imperfect. Words, but, but then, like, if you do say that to a gay person, it's like, you know, like, you know, like I love you and all, this, they're going to say this is a part of me, so that means you're hating me. They're going to twist your words, and it's like really. That's why. That's one of the reasons why I don't like it. <laughs> okay, because with this, I don't agree with the fact that most, a lot of homosexuals, not all, but a lot, ident- like that's the thing that identifies them. Okay, so we talked about just the, like the first time. Where is our identity? Okay, you're going to identify yourself as something. Hopefully, for us as Christians. It is Christ, because He is our identity. The reality that is when you say that to a lot of these people, that's what they're hearing. That is their identity. So what you're saying to them is, I say I love you, but really I hate you. Which is why I don't like that phrase. And that's why I really like what that pastor said, and I think that's where we should start and say, look, Jesus doesn't hate you, He loves you. We don't agree about homosexuality. I don't think that it's okay, but Jesus loves you. And he can work in your life just like he's working in mine. And I'm trying to understand this better. You want to come to church? You know, there's, a, there's a, an organization called the Marin Foundation. 
that it, it's a Christian organization. They do a lot of study on uh, the LGBT community and religion in church, um, in essence. And basically they found that so many people in this group of people uh, either started out in church or they just want to be in church, but they just don't feel that they're welcome. And it's missing in their life because they just don't feel like they can go. And maybe they're not even asking to be accepted. They're just asking to not be hated and kicked out, in essence. And so that's why I say, I don't really like love the sinner, hate the sin, because it just gets so complicated in just a second, in, in, in like so many different ways, especially in this issue. So I, I just default and say, Jesus loves you. Let him come into your heart and work in it. And let's see what happens. No. Oh, that's a bad idea. No, that's called insanity, Grace. <laughs> I'm, don't ever, if you want honest opinions about anything, don't post them on YouTube to see the comments. Ever. <laughs> clouds are blue. No, they're not. You're an idiot. <laughs> oh, wait. Clouds are blue. <laughs> Any, yeah, did you have a question or are you just stretching? Yeah. Human nature he asks. He asks the question. He 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 brings it right down to it, and so now I have to answer it. Yes, is it is it in essence? Are you just an aside quickly? Can I just say that I think it is pretty ridiculous how most people form their viewpoint on this based on a Lady Gaga song. Lady Gaga says you're born this way, so like, I know I know not everyone does that, but some people like it just infiltrates into your mind, and that's how, that's really why. Okay? Can I just say that that is don't don't look to Lady Gaga for your worldview, please. Um, but uh, so he asked, are are you are people born this way, or is it nurture? Okay, I said I don't know. I lean toward that it is nurture, and I think that. There are more studies that support that. And actually, if you want to know specifically what I think, um, my, I had a counseling professor, and he talked about this, and I thought that he phrased it very well. Um, and he says that it, it bears a lot of similarities in a lot of ways to other kinds of sexual addiction, um, such as addiction to pornography or um, other kinds of things. And so he views it as an addiction that, like you open that door, just like alcoholism. And what happens, um, what can happen, just like with alcoholism, you have people who are like, I can never get rid of this. I, I can't not be this anymore. Like, I need alcohol. That's, in essence, what happens. I don't know if I would go that far, but that is an option that I know you probably have not heard before. I'm going to say I don't know. I lean toward no. But my whole thing is, let's say the people can be born that way. It doesn't change anything. The response that we give them, their response to Jesus, does not change anything. Because you know what? There are people who are born alcoholics. Babies born addicted to drugs, um, people born with um, Down syndrome and mental disorders, and we ask, why would God make them born that way? And I would go to John chapter 9, where they say, why was this man born blind? Who sinned? And Jesus said, it wasn't anyone that sinned. He was born that the glory of God might be revealed in him. Okay? So, that's my answer to that question. Can I give my thought on no. <laughs> we, we're way too far over. So I'm sorry. If you have any questions, please feel free to like email me or just come up and ask me. Like I said, I'm not saying I know all the answers. If you are wondering about this issue, please uh, pick up one of these books. Like a lot of these books are so good, all of them. Um, they're worth reading. And this is an issue that you need to have a thought about. You can't just be like, I don't know, because otherwise you're going to get sucked up into something. And 
no matter what you think, you're probably going to be hated by someone, so just buckle up for that. <laughs> so, I'm going to pray for us really quickly, and then I do have a couple quick announcements, and we'll go. Jesus, thank you so much that you save us, that you redeem us, you sanctify us, help us understand this issue, and for most of us here, probably we're not struggling with homosexuality. And I think that maybe there are some that are, but most of us, we need to learn how to love. We ask that you would show us how to love, how we could love our, our homosexual friends. We can show them your love. That you would have a doorway into their hearts through our actions and our love. That, that they would see who you are and they would be changed by that, Jesus. Because you can change anyone. And I think in my own life, my sister, what a change has happened because of you. Because someone was willing to love her and to share with her. And I ask that we would all be willing to do the same, that we would be doing the same. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are, that you are great and glorious, and you have the power to redeem us and to sanctify us and to wash us clean. It is in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.